we begin um, two sermons on the, the book of Ruth this Sunday. Next Sunday, we will have uh, the Boys Brigade dedication service, and then the following Sunday. Uh, first of all, let me ask you about names. Okay? Does this name, Benjamin Franklin, mean anything to you? It's a $100 question, US dollars, which I don't have. But the US $100 note bears his face, his name. Well, he's one of the founding fathers of America. He was the first US ambassador to France, and US and France in the 1700s were very close friends. And he once wrote a short story. You see, he occasionally attended uh, a club called the Infidels Club. Infidel. And this is a club that spent most of his time searching for and reading literary masterpieces. Um, but they were very non-Christian. They scorned the Bible. They scorned Christianity. They were just out for the literature. And so on one occasion, Benjamin Franklin read the book of Ruth to the club as they were gathered, but he changed the names of all the characters so that it would not be recognized as coming from the Bible. When he finished, the infidels club were unanimous in the praise of this book. They said it was one of, one of the most beautiful short stories they have ever heard. And it was a remarkable literary masterpiece. So you imagine the kick that Benjamin Franklin had when he just said, hey, it's from the Bible. Today and two Sundays from now, we look at the book of Ruth, but it is more than a story. It's quite instructive, really. It tells us about the practices of some of the Jewish laws. It's also prophetic, and commentators have said that you cannot really understand Revelation chapter 5 if you don't understand Ruth. And so we'll be examining uh, all of that two weeks from now. Today, we look at names. Let's take a look at Ruth chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 4. In the days when the judges ruled, there was famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Marlon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah and the name of the other Ruth. And so you see a whole bunch of names here. The context was that everyone in Israel in those days did what was right in their own eyes in the last verse of the book before that, Judges. And that famine was God's judgment on the land. And Elimelech jumped from the frying pan into the fire by emigrating to a place called Moab where the people worship Chemosh, one of what has been de uh, uh, described as the abomination of Moab. And Judges chapter 10, verse 6 tells us, the people in Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the Ammonites, and the gods of the Philistines. And they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. 
So let's take a look at this family of Elimelech. Elimelech, El, El means God, Melech means king. So Elimelech is God, king, or my God is king. And he didn't live up to his name because he went off to Moab and very, very likely worshipped the gods of Moab or disobeyed God's commandments at least. And he died in Moab. His wife, Naomi, which means my delight, a nice name. And they had two sons which very strange names. Marlon, which means sick. And Marlon married Ruth, which means friendship. Kilion means pining. And these two sons didn't have really very good names or very auspicious names. And he married Orpah, which means gazelle. Orpah is an interesting name. It actually was the original name of Oprah Winfrey, the name of success. But people mispronounce Orpah so much as Oprah, Oprah, that Oprah Winfrey just accepted her new name, Oprah. Like we called Ed Poussin last week, Poussin. And after a while, he also accepted it. Okay, call me Poussin. Well, the book of Ruth also ends with a bunch of names. In Ruth chapter 4, verse 12, one of the blessings that people pronounce at the end of the story, and may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offering that the Lord will give you by this woman, give Ruth. It's a very strange blessing invoking three names, Perez, Tamar, and Judah. And for those of you who were here last Tuesday, you would have heard a little bit about this, that uh, Judah had sex with his daughter-in-law when his son died. And it's an ugly story. And that turned out to be a blessing. And then the very last verse of Ruth has a whole lot of names, uh, a whole genealogy which I'm not going to read because it's like a tongue twister. But question is, are these good names or are they bad names? Last week, Reverend Ed Poussin talked about what your conduct and what your character reveal about your confession, your confession of faith. Or can we put it this way? Does your life express what your name professes? For those of you who know my name, it's a very big name. Okay, Guo Hui, like the glory of the country. Does your, does your life confess or express what your name professes? So let's ask the first question. Did Naomi have a good name? My delight. You know that most commentators, I feel, bend over backwards to explain how virtuous Naomi was. Let me offer you a contrarian view. If Elimelech died soon after arriving in Moab, then Naomi would have been the matriarch of the family, head of the household. And she might have orchestrated or at least permitted her two sons to marry Moabite women, which was not allowed. And it would almost certainly result in the worship of Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, the god of Moab. And you know that she had no intention of returning back to Israel because they lived there 10 years until she heard there was more food in Israel. Then she returned. And when her sons died, she insisted that her daughters-in-law find Moabite husbands which can only mean, again, the worship of Moabite gods. 
And then when one of the daughter-in-law refused to, to, to go back to Moab and wanted to stay with Naomi, they returned to Bethlehem. Beth is house, Lehem is bread. Re- they returned to the house of bread because indeed there was bread there. And there was no mention ever at all of Naomi confessing her sin before the Lord or the sin of her family. Instead, she said that God was cruel to her, God was capricious, God was the source of all her sufferings. She was a bitter woman who blamed God for everything. And it says in chapter 1, verse 13, the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Chapter 1, verse 20, the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Chapter 1, verse 21, I went away full to Moab, and the Lord has brought me back to Bethlehem empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? And then in Jerusalem, she didn't appear to work. She left it all to Ruth. And then she had this scheme of getting Ruth to propose to Boaz, the husband-to-be, a very, very questionable scheme. It almost sounds like an indecent proposal. And nowhere else in Scripture or even in other literature, as some commentators have said, was it ever done this way, a, a woman proposing to a man this way. And what was this way? In Ruth chapter 3, verse 3. Naomi asked her daughter-in-law, uh, Ruth, and she said, wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor and don't let Boaz know that you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go, uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. So she got Ruth to dress up, to perfume up, to lie the feet of man when that man had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry in another verse, which means almost certainly at least mildly intoxicated if not drunk. And that man woke up startled to find a woman at his feet in the middle of the night. Now, I don't think that Naomi was ignorant. She would have known that Boaz was not the nearest kin but he was the richest king. And so she targeted for her daughter-in-law, Ruth, like a surrogate gold digger. And I think, I think you and I, we are in Asian society, the more proper way for arranged marriages would have been for Naomi, as the mother-in-law, to go to Boaz and talk and to arrange that marriage. But Naomi did it in a more sensual way, asking the daughter-in-law, to perfume up, to dress up, and to go to hide under a man's blanket. Okay, I've not put Naomi in a very good light. Actually, I've made her name smelly, right? In, in, in Chinese, huh? Make her ming chou, huh? Make her name smelly. So in other words, I've given her a bad name. But I may have been unkind. Some commentators have proposed this logic, that Naomi must have been a good and kind mother-in-law. Otherwise, why would Ruth leave her hometown and her own people and travel all that distance to go with an unkind mother-in-law to live in a strange land? And it wasn't Naomi's fault to emigrate to Moab in the first place. It was her husband's decision in those days. It must have been. 
and her sons marry Moabite women may not be with her consent because they were consenting adults already. And her bitterness could be just extreme grief. Can you imagine losing your husband and two sons? All gone. It was a bitterness of the soul that God would have compassion for and God would not have despised. So there you have it, two different stories. One good name, one bad name. Now let's turn to Ruth. Did Ruth have a good name? Well, Ruth was kind to her mother-in-law. In fact, these verses in chapter 1, verse 16 are classic lines in literature. And they are often used even at weddings in, as part of the wedding vows. So let's read it. Chapter 1, verse 16. And Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you will go, for where you go, I will, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. So you can imagine Benjamin Franklin and all his friends say, wow, this is beautiful literature. But when the two widows, Naomi and Ruth, arrived in Bethlehem, it was Ruth who took the initiative to find work to get food as a foreign worker in Bethlehem. Her job was to glean. To glean means to go into the harvest fields and just pick up the leftovers, which got instituted, by the way. We'll talk more about that in two weeks. Can you imagine the ostracism as a foreign worker picking up the pieces in that harvest field. Ruth chapter 2, verse 3, And so Ruth set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. Verse 7, And Ruth said, Please, let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Well, you can see that Ruth was no schemer. God was the schemer, although nobody knew at that time. Out of all the fields in Bethlehem that she could have worked on, it so happened, that's what the Bible says, it so happened that she came to Boaz's field. Chapter 2, verse 3. And she worked hard from early morning with only a short rest. So Ruth was kind to her mother-in-law. She took the initiative. She was hardworking. And no wonder she got a good reputation. So much so that in chapter 2, verse 11, it is said of this. It is said, And Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done. And a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So her reputation preceded her. And chapter 3, verse 11, And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask or my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. In other translation, a virtuous woman. And then when 
Boaz invited Ruth to his dining table, Boaz gave her generous helpings of food at the table. And what did she do? She tapped out for mother-in-law. Okay, she packeted some for her mother-in-law. She was not frivolous. She did not chase after the young man. In Ruth chapter 3, verse 10, Chapter 3, verse 10. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. So she wasn't frivolous. And then she was better than seven sons. Ruth, chapter 4, verse 15. Your daughter-in-law who loves you, somebody telling Naomi, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to a descendant. So Ruth was kind, she was hardworking, she took initiative, she had a noble character, she didn't chase after young men, she was better than seven sons. Is that a good name or what? Let's turn to Boaz. Did Boaz have a good name? Boaz means swiftness. He was the, who's the 100-meter champion now? Usain Bolt, okay. He was the Usain Bolt of his day. He was a fast worker. And you will see how fast when you read the story of Ruth. Well, first of all, he greeted his workers kindly. In Ruth chapter 2, verse 4, when he went to his workers, he says, the Lord be with you. And his workers answered, the Lord bless you. Then he lets Ruth, a foreigner, sit at his dining table. Chapter 2, verse 14. And then he takes pain to see that no harm should come to Ruth, but behind the scene. Chapter 2, verse 8 to 9. And then he secretly asks his servants to leave more grain for Ruth to glean. Again, behind the scenes, chapter 2, verse 16. And he appreciates Ruth's kindness to her mother-in-law and Ruth's godly character, chapter 2, verse 11. And then he invokes the blessings of God upon Ruth, chapter 2, verse 12. He also acted honorably when he was startled to find this young woman at his feet, under his blanket in the middle of the night, chapter 3, verse 10 to 11. And he acted honestly in acknowledging, hey, Ruth, I'm not the nearest kinsman. There's somebody else when he could have just taken Ruth for his wife. He protected Ruth's honor when he found her at his feet in the middle of the night by sending her away quietly. And then lastly, he dealt honorably and honestly with the nearest kinsman, giving him the first right of refusal. Chapter 4, verse 1 to 10. So, you now look at the book of Ruth, the story of Ruth. This way, what do you see? What kind of names do you think Ruth and Boaz have? They both had very good names. They had a good name because they were kind. Kindness, I think, is one of the major themes in this story quite apart from what we will discuss two, two weeks later, which is redemption. In the Hebrew, there is this fantastic word called hesed, which, means, which is translated as loving kindness, but books and books have been written about just this one, one word. And in Greek, krestos. And we see kindness all over the Bible. What, what, what kind of a name do we have? Do you have? You have a good name? I think today's papers, there's uh, something about names and there's strange names coming out nowadays. There's one called, what, Diane Thron or something like that. You read today's papers. When people look at you, 
And what kind of a name do you have? When people look at you, people look at your church, people look at PPH, what do they see? Do they see political correctness? We will never say anything offensive here in this church, even though if it is from the Bible. Or do they see doctrinal purity? We will say everything offensive possible. Or do people see a religious, legalistic PPH? Or when people come here and say, oh, Tuesday, Bible study, Bible study, you're just Bible study freaks. What I hope they see is kindness. Loving kindness. Christos. Because it's all over the Bible. Ruth was kind to Naomi. Boaz was kind to Ruth. King David was kind to his best friend, Jonathan's disabled son, Mephibosheth. An unnamed slave girl was kind to her Syrian master, Naaman. In two weeks from now, we'll be talking about God's laws mentioned in the book of Ruth. The leverage, marriage, the gleaning, the law of redemption, and then we see the kindness of God. In the New Testament, we see the overwhelming kindness of Jesus in all his interactions, how he forgave the adulterous woman in John chapter 8, how he was kind to the Samaritan woman in John chapter 3, and of course, the kindness of the good Samaritan, which I hope to cover in Easter, at Easter. The lesson is be kind to your neighbours even if they are from a different race or have a different religion. Kindness. Later on, we're going to sing this song, 10,000 Reasons. You're rich in love, you're slow to anger, your name is great, and your heart is kind. That is the, my favorite stanza in this whole song. Your name is great, and your heart is kind. Eight months ago, I had a new member in my Tang family. He's got his own Facebook page. He's got his own Instagram page. He's now 11 months old, a baby. His name is Bo Tang. And he can be so frustrating. Sometimes I feel like killing him or kicking him. But of all the four humans in my home, we say that Bo's favorite human being is Angeline, my wife. Why? Because she is the kindest to him, which I grudgingly acknowledge. And sometimes I think it's not so much kindness but mollycoddling. Because every time he does something wrong, she will say, yeah, but he's just a baby. But you know that we, we humans, mean the world to Bo. Without us, he would starve to death. Starve of food, starve of companionship, starve of love. And his sad eyes look to us and we give him food. We give him food like dog food, but also carrots and apples and his all-time favourite, mango. My brother's golden retriever, durian. We open our hands and satisfy his need for love. He calls on us. Actually, he whines, irritating whine, when he wants companionship, which is a lot, even in the middle, uh, not even at, at night when we, we are all supposed to sleep. And it's just like Psalm 145, which has the theme the kindness of God. Let me read Psalm 145, a few verses. From verse 13. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all His words and kind in all His works. 
The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them food, their food in due season. You open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak of the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. How is God kind? He upholds the falling. A while ago, I read uh, a book about a famous lawyer in Singapore who died. His name is Subhas Anandan. I think some of us may have heard of his name. When he was about 17 years old, he ran the cross-country race for, for the school, RI. And because he was also a good soccer player, someone drove him straight after running the cross-country race in McRitchie to the, playing, uh, the, to the soccer field where he played for RI soccer. And his school principal saw him coming late to the game and scolded him. The school principal said, don't think that you're a star player, okay? You have no discipline. You come late to the game. You've got no time to warm up. And, and, and you're not a member of the team. But Subhas kept quiet. As he was scolded in front of another, the, the opposing team's uh, school principal. And all his friends were there. The next day, the principal of RI found out what happened. That Subhas actually had run the cross-country race for the school before even coming to play a, a soccer game again. And the principal called him to the office and asked, why did you not tell me your story? That you had already run in a cross-country race and, and you had even enough energy to play a soccer game for the school again? And Subhas reply was, I didn't want to make you look stupid in front of the other principal. Actually, his words were, I didn't, want, I didn't want you to make an ass of yourself in front of the other principal. And that was kindness. You uphold those who are falling. He could have just blurted out and, and, and throw it as it was, and the other principal would have been laughing at the R.I. principal. Kindness by upholding the falling. Ruth upheld. If Naomi was this cantankerous, bitter, complaining mother-in-law, then Ruth would have upheld her by accompanying her back to hometown. Boaz upheld a down-and-out foreign worker, Ruth. Actually, I checked. Nowhere in the Bible does it say Ruth was a beautiful woman. So, I don't know. At first, I was doing this. I thought, oh, yeah, of course, she was beautiful. But it's not. He upheld her because she was down-and-out. How is God kind? He gives them food in due season. James chapter 2, verse 15 says, Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes, and daily food. If any one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, be warm and well-fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? You know, I feel proud to be associated with Catch I Knows International that uh, PPH works very closely with, uh, with singing. Uh, we just did our annual report and we fed 4,079 children last year. 4,000 children. Most of them were fed anything from three to five meals a week. 
So we have lived out Psalm 145 and we have lived out James chapter 2. Giving of food is kindness in action. And so Boaz gave food to Ruth and Ruth tapau for the mother-in-law. So that's kindness upon kindness. How is God kind? He opens His hand. Verse 16 of Psalm 145. And again, I read um, Impact Magazine. Dr. Tan Lai Yong, most of us will know him. Dr. Tan Lai Yong um, was a missionary to China, a member of a sister church, Bethesda Frankel. He tells the story of meeting an 80-year-old man in China who had a very serious lung illness. I think it was some kind of cancer or something. Uh, his children does not visit him because they live far away. His wife was in an institution due to dementia because he couldn't look after her. And this man refused to be hospitalized for treatment. He says, I'm old already. It's okay. What could Dr. Tan Layong do? He opened his hand and gave him some medication, probably Panadol. But Dr. Tan Layong said this, I opened my hand, gave him medicine with as much tender, loving care and kindness that I could master. Because all he could give was Panadol. But I believe that this open hand of kindness meant more to this old man than whatever the medicine was. You would have heard feedback from our Telugu and Bangladeshi patients at our Penjuru clinic. And they are amazed at our clinic because our doctors open their hands and actually touch them as they diagnose their illness. Many of which are skin uh, illnesses because of the kind of work they do and the environment that they're in. And they tell us that doctors in the other clinics that they go to may just use their pen to poke at them because they will not touch them. And people can sense your kindness and your sincerity from the way you open your hands, even in a handshake. And so Ruth opened her hands. She must have held Naomi's hand many a times as they traveled from Moab to Israel. Boaz opened his hands to Ruth by inviting her to the dining table and giving her food. How is God kind? God is near to all who call on Him. Verse 18 of Psalm 145. Kindness is about nearness. Kindness is about proximity. I read the story of this 46-year-old woman divorced three children but who had breast cancer. And so she went through several rounds of chemotherapy following a mastectomy. And she thought all was well. But a year later, the doctor called up and said they found more cancer. And she said her relatives tried to be kind. But she had the feeling that they were afraid that her breast cancer would be contagious. So they never came. They just called on the phone. But they kept their distance. And she said it really hurt. One Saturday, she went to the laundromat and she said, I see the same people there every week, people doing the laundry in this laundromat. And we just exchange greetings, we make small, small talk, we don't really know one another. Then while she was taking her laundry from her car into the laundromat, she saw a man walking out, one of the regular guys, walking out with his bundle of already washed clothes. And the man smiled and said, good morning, how are you today? Like all Americans do. And then suddenly she said, I lost control. She burst out crying. She said, this is the worst day of my life. I have more cancer. 
And then the man put his arm around her and just let her cry. And then he said, I understand. My wife has been through it too. And a few minutes later, she felt better. The man walked away. Fifteen minutes later, as he was still in the laundromat, the man came back with his wife. And the wife, without saying a word, just came over and hugged her. And she said, I've been there too. And she said, I cannot tell you how much this meant to me. No words. A total stranger who came near to me at my lowest moment. They just sat with me and they were kind to me. Ruth stayed with her mother-in-law, close. Boaz was close to his workers. I mean, he could have been like in his own little palace without visiting the troops. But he went to his workers and he greeted them and he blessed them. He harvests with them. He sleeps with them. How is God kind? Psalm 145. God upholds those who are falling. He gives them food. He opens his hand. He is near to all who call on him. In the early church, Greek was the lingua franca, right? It was the common language of the day. The New Testament was written in Greek. And the Greek word for kindness I showed you just now was krestos. The Greek word for Christ, Christos. There are six letters in both these words, Greek words. There is only one that is different. But I think that in the early days in the church, the people might have confused kindness for Christ because they're so similar, Christos, Christos. Would they have been confused or would they have seen kindness in Christians? You know that dogs can detect kindness, right? Okay, I can prove it now. Man can also detect kindness. It can be seen in our eyes. It can be seen in our spoken language. It can be seen in our body language. It can be seen in how we open our hands, how we shake hands, or how we touch one another. What is PPH to be known for? What kind of a name do we want? Or what kind of a name do we have? People must see the hand of Almighty God transform people in this building from sinful, selfish, hopeless people to kind people. They must see that we are holding up those who are falling. They must see that we are giving food to the poor. They must see us always with open hands. And they must see us being near to all who need help. We should be known as kind people. People with the kindness of God. A good name. Let me end with this as us musicians come up. Proverbs tells us, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Ecclesiastes 7.1, a good name is better than precious ointment. So blood donation is kindness. Because you've really got to open your hands, man. But we all think that we are kind people, don't you? I ask you, are you a kind person? So you are. What's so unkind about me? But I think the Bible has certain standards, right? If you look back, 
at just a few verses of Psalm 145. Just check it out. Check it out. Are you upholding the falling? Or you don't really care? Are you giving food to the poor? Where God poor? Are you opening your hand? Hey, I'm clenching it. Are you near to all who call on you? Check it out. So let's be kind to one another. Let's rise as we sing the last song.
close in prayer together. We'll just, just reflect upon the kindness of God that He is rich in love. His heart is kind. And out of receiving the kindness of God, then let's also ask ourselves, then are we kind? Do we uphold the falling? Do we give them food? Do we open our hands? And are we near? Father, thank you for your kindness to us. We are the grateful recipients of a loving Heavenly Father whose heart is kind. So would you now empower us with that same kindness that we have received that we might bestow it on others. Foreign workers, the lonely one who is standing all by himself at coffee time. The one who doesn't smell very nice. The one whom we think does not deserve kindness as though we deserve kindness from a holy God. So God, would you change our hearts? Let our name be associated with kindness. We have this good name individually and as a church, even as a cell group, that if there is a name for the cell group, it is a kind group. So send us out from here, Lord. Transform from the inside with kind hearts that expresses itself with kind hands. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.